Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 5, Episode 5. This week we're talking 2011's The Thing. With Joe. So I'm going to get killed because I floss. And Sam. Are you an asshole? I was the one working on the test. I left for two minutes. Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me is the prequel to my remake, Sam. Welcome back. How's life? Muy bueno. I understand you have a new toy at home. Yes, a very special toy. And it's a Xbox? Get the f*** out of here. <laughs> no, I am uh, I'm a diehard PlayStation guy. So you're, you're one of those. I had a Christmas miracle, and I snagged a PS5. Well done. Thank you. Uh, this week, Sam, I don't know if it was me or you, but one of us nominated the thing for the 2011 Horror Pantheon. Oh, I mean... It was me. Well, because I nominated the, the original thing and we have to do the, yes. the thing. The thing. We have to do the thing. And we can totally do the thing from another world. Uh, that movie rips. You finally saw it? Yes. All right. Oh my gosh, the fire scene? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> what a killer shot. It's it's a great old movie. It really is. Yes. On this show, we'll be keeping track of all the movies worth your time in our Movie Planet Preserve. The Horror Pantheon consists of seven and only seven films, but currently we have... Well, we got nine in there because we've got a massive tie at the end, six, seven, eight, and nine. Now, number one is Jaws. Number two is The Exorcist. You can literally flip-flop the two depending on your mood of the day. Uh, number three is 1982's The Thing with a B+. Number four is It Chapter One with a B+. Number five, The Cabin in the Woods with a B+. And then we have this log jam, The Fly from 1986, Poltergeist from 1982, The Ring from 2002, and Evil Dead from 2013. So two of these have to go. Which do you think should be knocked out? Sam, what are your suggestions? Okay, of these, I'm happy to get rid of the ring. Okay. And as much as the fly deserves all the respect that is due, it doesn't really belong here. I kind of agree. It doesn't I, belong. I agree. I had the fly in the ring also on my list. Yeah. I was like, the here's the thing. The fly, we talked about it, how it's... It's body horror, but it's also a drama. And mm -hmm. it's not full horror the way that... It's, it's a different kind of... Evil Dead is, for instance. 2013's yeah. Evil Dead. I mean, it's it's not in the same category. It's no. not going to scare you. No. It's going to gross you out. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But being that the thing is in there, we talked about how the thing was very much the same thing. Ah. Ah. Yeah. So, the fly in the ring, sorry... Uh, Au revoir. You're gone. And Caitlin, your ring, say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the higher the grade we give this movie, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out of the pantheon in the future. So we will discuss it, analyze it, grade it, and see if it lands amongst the greats. Let's get down to business! This week, we're talking about 2011's The Thing, a movie made for an estimated $38 million that brought in 31.5. That hurts. Written by Eric Heiserer and directed by, shit, Matthias van Heinengen Jr. Hey, that was almost good. I didn't know what it was. And music by Marco Beltrami, starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead, a.k.a. Wifey. Hashtag love your husband, too. 
as Kate Lloyd, Joel Edgerton as Carter, Ulrich Thompson as Dr. Sander Halverson, Eric Christian Olson as Adam Finch, and then a bunch of names I cannot pronounce as but Jameson you really Griggs. Should, out of respect. You want me to do this? Oh, absolutely. Oh, God, here we go. Okay. <laughs> Adewale Akinuye Agbaje as Jameson, Paul Brunstein as Griggs, Trond Espensheim as Edward Volner, Kim Bubbs as Juliet, Jorgen Langhell as Lars, Jan Gunnar Royce as Olaf, Stieg Heinrich Hoff as Peter, and Christopher Hirju as Jonas. You crushed it. I made all that up. You crushed it. I don't know what I said. I, I, I guarantee you half of this is I wrong. I completely was convinced. <laughs> <laughs> like No hesitation. Just plowed right through them. Awesome <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sam, do you remember seeing this for the first time? What did you think? Yeah, uh, I saw this in theaters. I uh, uh, For those who listened to the first thing or the 82 thing podcast mm. um this is one of my top 10 movies of all time uh this is or the 82 oh the 82 okay yeah oh god no um so like there's a lot of history of that movie with me so i was stoked mm-hmm. um but i was also 50 50 because it's like one of those things where you have one of your favorite movies and what seems to be a remake right and you're like I don't know. <laughs> what is this <laughs> yeah so i was excited but i wasn't excited for the remake but it has mary elizabeth weinstein it does and it it's a must see for me i have to i have to support i have to support my wife m-e-w exactly i gotta be there for her yes so I hate to copy you, but um, it's basically the same thing minus the pra- like the this movie has like the same thing minus the practical effects and basically everything else that makes the thing the thing. Yeah, right. Um, so I think it does an okay job. We'll get there, but it does an okay. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Uh, I saw it in theaters, and at the time, I thought it was supposed to be a remake. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know it wasn't a remake until the very end of the movie when you see the dog chase, and I was like. Wait, this is a fucking prequel? Yeah. I, there are way too many things that are similar in this movie than the 82 one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of things that don't tie in right. Right. They, they don't f- fit in. No. Right. Um, but yeah, the uh, the cue for me that this was a prequel was uh, the Two-Face thing when they the, the, the two faces merged together. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I like, yeah. I know that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which in 2011, I don't know if it looked good then. Uh, I was convinced. Okay. All I right. was convinced. It was pretty, there's, there's some things like the face split in yeah. the helicopter that was like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that doesn't look good anymore. Look really good. <laughs> okay. Well, now that we've handled that business, let's get down to business with our segment Inception to Perception, where I dig shallowly into the internet to find out how this movie came to be. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. All right. After creating the Dawn of the Dead remake, producers Mark, which is awesome. Excellent. Yes. A Zack Snyder gold star on that one. Gold stamp. Yes. Producers Mark Abraham and Eric Newman began to look through the Universal Studios library to find new properties to work on. Upon finding John Carpenter's 1982 film, The Thing, the two convinced Universal to create a prequel instead of a remake as they felt that remaking Carpenter's film would be like painting a mustache on the Mona Lisa. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's actually perfect. That's a perfect way to go about that. I agree. Eric Newm explained, quote, I'd be the first to say no one should ever try to do Jaws again, and I certainly wouldn't want to see anyone remake The Exorcist. And well, we, we got that. Well, <laughs> mind you, both of those are our top one and two in the horror pantheon. Wow. So well done, Eric. And then he said, and we really felt the same way about the thing. It's a great film. But once we realized there was a new story to tell with the same characters in the same world, but from a different point of view, we took it as a challenge. It's the story about the guys who are just ghosts in Carpenter's movie. They're already dead, but having Universal give us a chance to tell their story was irresistible. End quote quote-unquote new story to tell what new story what new story <laughs> verbatim uh a, a verbatim prequel when i read it i was like what Hold was on. original <laughs> in early 2009 variety reported the launch of a project to film a prequel possibly following mcready's brother during the events leading up to the opening moments of the 1982 film with matthias van heinengen jr as director and ronald moore as writer now, I believe this Ronald D. Moore is the one who ended up writing for Battle. He was writing for Battlestar Galactica. Oh. I think he, I think this is the Ronald Moore that did that. Frack me. I know. Fantastic show. <laughs> Matthias Van Heinigen Jr. became involved in the project when his first planned feature film, a sequel to the Dawn of the Dead remake, a zombie film taking place in Las Vegas, written and produced by Zack Snyder, who directed the Dawn of the Dead remake and co-produced by Abraham and Newman called Army of the Dead, was canceled by the studio three months before production began. <laughs> I wonder why! <laughs> we got that movie. Holy <laughs> Did we get that movie? Was that in 2019? 2020? Jesus. It, oh. I think it was 2020 it came out. Yeah. Uh, needing to start all over again, he asked his agent to see if there was a uh, The Thing project in development since Alien and The Thing are his favorite films, which is funny because we talked about how they're kind of the same thing, just in different places. Yeah. Also, sorry to harp back on this. Yes. But I wonder if the, <laughs> I wonder if the Army of the Dead would have been better back then than the goofy bullshit that they did <laughs> now because because it had the hype yeah the dawn of the dead remake was an awesome remake mm -hmm. what if they took that type of movie and they made it in vegas i would i would think here's it here i'm glad it came out now instead of 2011 after seeing what the cgi looked like in 2011 yeah but it, I, I'm wondering if it would have been a different movie. Well, I guess not. Well, it was written, so I guess not. Right. It was already done. It was, already... It was just a matter of getting the financing for it. Oh, okay, so I, thought, I was thinking, like, well, maybe they had, like, the style of the movie instead of, like, oh, it's a heist. Oh, it's a time heist. Oh, it's a death loop time heist. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I Just interesting that it started here. Yeah, no, I, that's... Yeah. <laughs> As a fan of Carpenter's film, he was interested in the project because being European himself, he had always wondered what happened at the Norwegian camp. <laughs> really? I didn't care. I didn't care. I guess that's the American in us. In March 2009. I want to tell my story. Yeah, Moore described his script as a companion piece to Carpenter's film and not a remake. We're telling the story of the Norwegian camp that found the thing before the Kurt Russell group did, he said. 
Eric Heiserer was later hired to do a complete rewrite of Moore's script. Heiserer explained that in writing the script, it was necessary for him to research all the information that was revealed about the Norwegian camp from the first film down to the smallest details so that it could be incorporated into the prequel in order to create a consistent backstory. Okay, so here's the premise. Yes. We found it first. We found it first. We found it first. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> the decision was made to name the film the same title as the first film because the producers felt adding a colon title, such as Exorcist to The Heretic, had felt less reverential. In April 2010, it was revealed that Scott Frank had been hired to work uncredited on new dialogue for the film. <sighs> you know, here's a problem with the thing is when you say it, no one knows which movie you're talking about. No. <laughs> and it's not because they're two different movies. <laughs> no, it's not a remake. It's not the same film. Well, what is it's it? not supposed to be the same film. <laughs> uh, Matthias van Heiningen explained that he created the film not to simply be a horror film, but to fo also focus largely on the human drama with the interaction between characters as the first film had. The director felt that horror films worked better when time was spent to explore the characters' emotional journeys, allowing the audience to care about them which was one of my big complaints about the first one, which is that I didn't feel like I got enough time with those characters. And you got that time in this one? I, I, no. It's even <laughs> less for me. This movie's only an hour and 43 minutes long. With credits. <laughs> with with credits. credits. This thing moves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mary Elizabeth Wifeystead insisted that the film would not feature any romantic or sexual elements with her character as it would be inappropriate considering the tone of the film. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Although, let's get the misogyny out, though. Exactly. Adewale Akini of Gabaje, Mr. Echo from Lost, <laughs> uh, said that the film would try to recreate the feeling of paranoia and distress that the first film had, where the characters can't tell who has been infected by the alien. No, that's exactly what the film did. <laughs> the filmmakers drew additional inspiration for the film from the original novel Who Goes There and making the characters in the film educated scientists as opposed to blue-collar workers. But instead, they got blue-collar workers, workers who pretend that they're scientists. Mm -hmm. However, the filmmakers drew no influence from the events of the Thing video game. Did you know there was a Thing video game? Uh, yeah, and it's amazing. If you haven't played it, I have it's, not. it's better. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Is it scary? Yes. <laughs> Is it Alien Isolation scary? That's... Well, no, this is PS2. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, this is PS2, third person. Gotcha. But no, it's amazing. All right. I can't imagine how you'd play that game, because, like, is it like a whodunit? No, 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 no. You're like, it's like third person. You never played, um... It's basically like, almost like... Like Silent, Silent Hill? Hill? with a flamethrower. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Silent Hill screwed me up. Uh, the director also drew in additional inspiration from the film Alien in creating the film. Is this the same background as the first movie? Particularly in regard to casting a female lead and in the way the alien creatures are filmed by not showing too much of them. Except you see, see them, them all the time. <laughs> Halfway through, you've seen four like major aliens. I, I mean... I, I love your description, but this is not the movie we got. <laughs> Matthias Van Heinengen also cited the films of director Roman Polanski as influence, such as his work on Rosemary's Baby. Actual Norwegian and Danish actors were cast in the film to play the Norwegian characters, and the director allowed the actors to improvise elements different from what was scripted when they felt it was appropriate, such as the scene where the characters sing a Norwegian folk song called Shamid Idnan, which is not the same as Yaya Ding Dong. <laughs> 
Ja, ja, ding, ding dong. dong. Oh, God. Elves. Okay. Many scenes involving characters speaking Norwegian were subtitled, and the language barrier between them and the English-speaking characters is exploited to add to the film's feeling of paranoia. In one scene... <laughs> this is... I like. I love where it started. I like the intent that they yeah. had. Yeah. I just wonder what happened. Dare I say the studio? Yeah. Dare I say? Per perhaps. Uh, director Matthias van Heinigen said that the film would show the alien creature in its pure form as it was discovered in its ship by the Norwegians. However, it is not revealed whether this is the creature's original form or the form of another creature it has assimilated. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, <laughs> do we get a look? Because ice block doesn't count because you can't really see it. No. And then it jumps out too quick. Right. And then the next time you see it, it's under a house. Yes. And that might be the clear look that they're talking about. But Sucks. even then, is that the creature? If it's a mimic? We don't know. I don't know. Addressing rumors stating that John Carpenter wished to have a cameo appearance in the film, Carpenter himself corrected these in the interview for the fan site Outpost 31 in August 2012, saying, quote, yeah, those rumors are not true. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Carpenter thing to say. Which is funny because he was in the original reel well, of the Norwegians uh, in the 82 one. Yeah, but this was that was his baby. And I, there's a great uh, interview with Carpenter and another gentleman talking about the making of the thing and um, talking about the influence from the thing from another world. Okay. And when he saw it as a kid. Right. It's, it's a great interview. I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now it's time to talk about this movie, starting with a little clip from our friends in 2011. Why did you flag down that helicopter? Because I thought it was in danger. Why? took a sample of Henrik's blood. And I saw that the alien cells were still alive. They were alive and they were copying Henrik's cells, replicating them. Adam saw it too. Is that true? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what we saw. I mean, we saw, we saw something. I don't, I don't understand. What are you saying? This thing can, and probably has, replicated a person. What? Who? 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 What are those? I think they're fillings from someone's teeth. I found them by a puddle of blood in the shower. A puddle of blood? It can clone cells, but not inorganic material. It couldn't copy these, so it spit them out. We wasted but, too much time already. Lars! Listen! When I went back to check it, someone had cleaned up the blood. Someone had wiped it away. All right, so whatever it is, is still here. All right. <clears throat> Antarctica, 1982. Three Norwegian scientists in a snowcat are telling jokes and following a signal across a vast and mountainous expanse of snow. They stop suddenly, and after a few moments, a crack in the snow slash ice drops the snowcat into a fissure where it is wedged. The headlights from the snowcat are pointed down into the fissure and reveal a spaceship. 
See, whenever I see snowy landscapes, it always looks pretty. Oh, it's gorgeous. It almost feels like a cheat, though, to get a cinematography award because you're like, if I just show a glacier, they'll give it to me. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you think uh, Peter Jackson did for The Lord of the Rings? <laughs> just take a helicopter across New Zealand, guys. Go. Just go. Just go. <laughs> just film everything. Now, I got a question. If you had a choice, if you knew that they were going to make another property with the thing, would you want a sequel or would you want a prequel? <laughs> I, I think... I don't know. I th like I think the prequel is better because mm -hmm. the way it ends, it's just they get snowed and they die. Yes, but you don't know. I mean that that that's the whole. That's the great thing about the thing movie. You don't know who's infected or who's uh, being mimicked. Even at the very end, when you have Childs and McCready there, you yeah, have no idea. You have which... no idea which one is which. Yeah, you really don't. Um, so I don't think a sequel would have worked. Yeah. I mean, you would have had to really pull a Boba Fett there. Oh. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> so I think a prequel was the only real way. The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. <laughs> so I think a prequel was the only way this would have worked without like a stretch. Or maybe like, maybe there was a set. <sighs> A second spaceship. Well, this one landed, what, 100,000 years beforehand, right? Yeah. So the odds of that are slim to none. Yeah. Maybe, and, clear, and clearly. Maybe this, this is in the future and they, you know, they send up a patrol for the two camps that exploded and they go to the spaceship and then they get infected and it comes back to somewhere else. Like, right. It could work. It'd just be a stretch. Right. Right. Uh, but, okay. So they're following a signal. Yeah. Where are they well, going the to No, they're checking. They're doing. Um, oh, I thought they were following a signal. No, they are doing. Because um, he was uh, hearing. Radar. They are doing radar oh. to check for things buried underneath. Oh, because he just says keep going straight because the signal's coming from there. It could be a ping. Uh, that's what I interpreted as. It, it was yeah. a sonar ping. Okay. It's looking for artifacts or maybe like fossils or anything that's under the ice. Okay. All right. Um, when that snowcat falls, though. I'm sorry. They're not getting out of that fucking thing. It's way too wedged in there. It's way too far down. If they if they climb out and climb down, they're climbing down an ice wall. It's not going to happen. They don't have the materials for that. And they're certainly going to climb out of it. So what happened to these people? <laughs> Maybe they helicoptered and tied a rope and pulled her out. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's the story I want to see. It's also, you know, what what is this? Uh, this would be... I mean, if the the movie takes place in the time that it was made, so 82, I guess you'd have to radio and tell, tell your coordinates based on, we're in a giant f***ing crack now. Right. <laughs> Can you find us? Where? Just follow the tracks. Just follow the, yeah. Hopefully there's, it's not windy up there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they do tell a nice little dirty joke there. And you know, incest is hysterical. Hey, you know, when you're snowed in. <laughs> You can't go anywhere for a couple months, you know. Yes. Uh, Norwegian things. It's Yeah, this is what they're into. Sander, a Norwegian scientist, visits an American paleontologist, Kate Lloyd, and tells her that they have discovered a structure and an organism convinces her to come to Antarctica. Is there a bigger in science cinematic history? There that, has to be. Than who? Sander? Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about this because having just redone all the movies that we, the last four here, yes. Uh, 
the guy who plays Gina Davis's husband in The Fly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll accept that. The only difference is Sander doesn't care if people die. <laughs> uh, you get Mary Winstead, plainly hot. I mean, beautiful. And uh, I love how the first actual song to play is Who Can It Be Now? <laughs> That was definitely a on the solid nose. choice. Yeah. <laughs> Very on the nose. <laughs> uh, anytime Eric Christian Olsen shows up in a movie, it's kind of like, hey, why hasn't this guy gotten more roles? <laughs> yeah, he's great. Yeah. And I think I know why. It's because he played Lloyd Christmas, the younger version of him in Dumb and Dumber, the, the, the oh. prequel. Oh. Yeah. Because he's got the face for it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I know. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like this is just like how when Sanaa Lathan is recruited for Alien versus Predator. <laughs> like, we need you to do something. What? what? Well, we can't tell you, but you're going to have to go to the Antarctic to do it. Okay. What am I digging up? We can't tell you. Okay. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> Sorry, I need a few more details here before heading to Antarctica, which by the way, she's looking I'll for a structure. I'll give you a million details. Like, yeah. Before I- Okay, sure. Yep. Sign me up. But even then, I just say it's a UFO. If I see, okay, so if I was a scientist, yes, and I heard that, yeah, I'd tell you to go f yourself. Number one, yeah. out of you're yanking my fucking chain. And number two, I don't want to go anywhere near an alien vessel. No more Yankee, my wanky. The donga needs food. Donga needs food. Kate and her colleague Adam fly in a helicopter to the Norwegian camp in Antarctica, piloted by Americans Carter and Jameson. They get to the camp and meet other the other Norwegians, including Edward, the camp's leader, and Lars, a mechanic who is the only one that doesn't speak any English and has an Alaskan Malamute. Is Carter this movie's version of Kurt Russell's character? Yeah. Or is Kate? I I really think it's uh it's Carter. Okay. Uh he just like, has more of that Kurt Russell I don't give a shit, I'm just here for the money kind of idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh they're making fun of the Cleveland Cavaliers and that joke didn't age well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this base looks just like the one in the original. And I keep asking myself, is this a remake, a sequel, or a prequel? I don't know at this point. No. Upon their arrival, Kate and Adam and the, and the Norwegians get into a snowcat and go to the site where they see a full view at the top of the ship in the ice. Some distance from the ship, they show Kate a strange-looking organism encased in ice. Back at camp, they discuss the removal of the organism, which they believe will take most of the day. Now, this is... It's, it's presumed that after it crash-landed, it crawled out of the spaceship and froze. Crawled out or ejected, something like that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, because they say, well, why did it... <laughs> Why did they leave the ship when it's cold isn't good for it? Yeah, but how does it know? That's very true. Yeah. Uh, they, as they're crawling down, they're calling all those ladders and those ladder bridges, and I'm just sitting there going, that, that, that's not safe. You don't do that. They're a little yeah. rickety. The parts of the organism that you see, you see kind of like a black claw-looking thing. It doesn't look friendly. I, I want to shake its hands. Shake the claw. Yeah, I, w I would have no interest in... If you saw that in the ice, you wouldn't be like, let's melt this. <laughs> no, you'd be like, keep it there. Keep it there. 
I mean, the drilling thing, that makes sense. Like, except that's what when, you do. Except when they drill into it, it's like amateur hour. <laughs> they yeah. drill like a good five inches into the beast on accident. <laughs> What's well, a five inches of samples? Just need a, I just want a fresh sample. Uh, the organism is removed and is put in a wooden room back at the camp, still encased in the ice block. Sander tells the team that he wants to take a tissue sample first, because he's an idiot, which Kate objects to as they need to do sterilization and take other precautionary measures. He tells her not to question him again in front of the others. They drill a hole into the ice and remove a frozen flesh sample from the organism, placing it in a Petri dish. See, this is how you have a workplace. You put women in their place. In 1982. I have to keep reminding myself <laughs> of this. That it's 1982. Because it looks like it's present day. It kind of does. Because they really haven't shown anything to elicitate. To elicit so, an 82 elicit, appeal. Yes. Yeah, I exactly. This is 82, yet the only bit of 82 I have is, what is there, Sony Walkman at the very beginning? Yes. And the song? Yeah, and it says 82 on the at the very beginning. That's about that's, it. That's it. Because beyond that, it just feels like it could be happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. The only difference is there's no cell phones to get them off of that area. But even so, there's no towers, so you're, you're screwed. <laughs> so I wrote this. I said, so let me get this straight. Sander has already told his colleagues to not inform anyone of their discovery, and now he wants to take a tissue sample with nobody knowing. Everyone should have seen at least one horror movie on this trip and know not to fuck with the alien. <laughs> this, is, this is a point I bring up later, but like you can be a bad guy, and I've seen a lot of great bad guys that have people follow their orders and rules. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I understand what what the motive is. I understand the psychology of like what's going on. Right. I don't understand a single choice this dude makes. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no and people around him are like, Oh yeah, that works. Yeah, I'll just do that. Yeah. I almost got a junior varsity version of Wayland from this guy. Yeah. Just yeah. Um nothing makes sense. Well, at least Waylon, it like kind of makes sense. Exactly. He had an ulterior motive. And if this guy had an ulterior motive that was explained later on, okay, I would have bought like, it. Okay, cool. But it's never. It's never there. No, is it just like the fame of him having the first alien sample? It could be. I, I But even then, it's not. People are starting to die. You're like, he's fully committed now. Right, right. Uh, later in the camp's rec room, the entire team is partying and realize the discovery they have made, aliens. Skull. <laughs> Meanwhile, the ice block is beginning to melt. While everyone is partying, a shot cuts to the Alaskan Malamute in its cage, and it's barking and trying to get out. Jameson comes out of the bathroom and goes into the room with the ice block. Lars scares him by yelling boo from behind. Which scared me. <laughs> it's fun. scary. It scared me. And then Lars leaves, and all of a sudden, the unseen thing breaks out of the ice and jumps through the ceiling. Well, that explains the big block they find in the 82 thing. Yeah. I like the callbacks. Check, check that off. I like all the callbacks as, as things are happening this I'm like oh yeah I remember seeing this in the 82 thing the, when they mentioned earlier they the guy did his research on the 82 thing to find out where everything was at the end he did his work no yeah 100% that part of the making of made sense yeah um because the roof was gone and everything. And I do love the jump scare that's provided when the thing escapes from the ice uh -huh. that thing scares the shit out of me every single time oh yeah and it sounds rough the screech you hear the boo that happens beforehand to set it up yeah, the boo get the boo got me. Yeah, more than <laughs> the alien jumping. Yeah, it's one of those things where you say it's a shit fuck moment. Yeah, where yeah. you get the boo, you say shit, shit. you, you, you curse up, and then I was like, fuck, fuck. what the fuck? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Kate, maybe getting drunk with a bunch of drunk strangers isn't a smart idea. Keep your faculties; they appear that as, they as, haven't seen a woman in a long as time. Forewarned, 
by Carter on the helicopter before she even arrives. Yes. Yeah. I'm surprised that that wasn't part of this also. Like, build in something else to add distrust amongst the group. Yeah. Jameson runs back to the rec room and tells the others the thing is alive and escaped. They all go to the room and see the ice block with the hole that the thing left after escaping. Sander instructs the team to divide into twos and threes and to search for the thing. One pair goes to the dog's kennel and finds a big hole in the wall with a lot of blood and some fur. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I guess this it ate the dog. It didn't assimilate it. Perhaps. because yeah, doesn't make sense well the first movie well we also see the blood in the shower later on you're like well what happened there i don't know uh i got all these scientists here and nobody can make a common sense decision (laughs) yeah i know i wish i had (laughs) the thing escapes and the first thing is go look for it no No. you you quarantine (laughs) you go nobody leaves until we get somebody out here not you know let's go take a look see what it is can't be that bad it was only like eight feet long yeah it's only eight feet long with giant claws and (laughs) leapt out of the ice through the roof yeah and you know what when carter checks the helicopter door we asked was this left open i was like oh please be in there yeah it's smart yeah but it was a silent hill moment it was like oh oh great empty room i was scared for nothing (laughs) and uh sorry if you see a massive blood stain on the floor and you don't warn everyone you're dumb you're part of the problem you're part of the problem you're not part of the solution no Two of the Norwegians, Henrik and Olaf, see the thing under one of the buildings. Seen for the first time, the thing resembles a large beetle in that it is slimy, has multi-crab-like legs, a large mouth with giant teeth, and tentacles. Just, uh, guys, we need an idea for the design. Um, I know we said we were going to show its original form, yeah, but I don't think we have the budget for it. No. So let's throw it under a house and uh, I just need some ideas. Just throw them, throw them at the wall and whatever sticks, sticks. And I can just picture- a pile of shit. You ever see that exercise that elementary school teachers do where they give a kid like 30 seconds to draw something, like draw an animal and yeah. they go, now pass to your left. You draw, you continue the drawing. Now you could just, that's what this looks like. Yeah, it's just a clusterfuck. <laughs> is, is, to me, it's not what, the original form would have looked like. Yes. I imagine more of a like Prometheus style goo. Something. Or like something that would, you know, take the form of another. Yeah. Well, one of the tentacles shoots out and goes through Henrik's chest, splattering blood on Olaf's face. The thing then pulls Henrik back under the building and starts to eat him. Olaf screams and they all come running. They start to shoot at the thing with their rifles with little effect, which you would do, other than causing the thing to jump inside the building, it was under and to climb up it. The team douses it with kerosene and sets it on fire. The thing with Henrik still hanging halfway out of its mouth falls to the ground dead. Hey, remember in Prometheus when the geologist is playing with the cobra-like creature? This is exactly how I feel when I see this scene. (laughs) What's that? Let's get a closer look. Hey, little guy. (laughs) These are scientists, Sam. (laughs) So Sanders watching the thing. Sanders watching the thing eat Henrik and is telling everyone to stop shooting. You know, at some point you have to say, I'm done following this guy. (laughs) No. No. And the thing is dead now, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just. They killed the original thing. Yeah. That's it. They never did that in the 82 where they had the just fooled you kind of thing. It was like, it was like, no, it got away. It got away. It got away. Yeah. And oh my God, it's still one of my favorite scenes when um, it's the shot of, I believe it's Kurt Russell. And just in the like the background, it's the head crab. Oh yes, yes. Yep. And they have no idea. Yeah. And, like, they, and don't worry, they do that in this movie too. 
so this is like my first cue that this is a remake. Okay. Because this Xenoform is far more aggressive. Yes. And but at the same time, I'm wondering. Well, okay. If it was super, number one, you're asleep for a thousand years. Yeah. I don't know your nature. It was just ferocious beast. You might've like been an experiment. You took hold of that alien race that made you, or you found and you took a ship and you're gone. So you're smart enough or maybe you're dumb and you crashed the ship. Who knows? Maybe this was an experiment on the spaceship. We did talk about how this alien might've been drunk driving that (laughs) ship. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, we saw how it handled the helicopter. It's all over the place. Yeah. So this is my first kind of hint that this is a remake and not a prequel is that it acts different. It's far more aggressive. It's this, this movie's more of an action horror. If you know what, the only other, the only other time I saw it aggressive in the 82 was when it was attacking the dogs. Yes. But But it was, but it was desperate. Right. But it was sneaky beyond that. Yeah. It, it, you know, it was a dog, but that was the thing is it was a dog and it went into the kennel and it knew it was alone. So do you think because of how aggressive it was here and after seeing what its adversaries would do when 82 hits, it calmed down, it calmed and, down and, like, and got sneakier. That's my kind of idea. Okay. And my interpretation is that it learned, Hey, I can't be aggressive because they have fire. Right. Which I guess is a learned trait. I mean, yeah, it can be smarter. Obviously, you know, I don't, uh, the team goes back inside. All are in a daze. Olav is being treated and looks very ill. Juliet, the only other female on the Norwegian team, is consoled by one of the men. Carter tells the team that he will take Olav back to civilization in the morning as he needs medical help. Sander then tells the team that although Henrik has died, they are all still scientists and they may this may be their only chance to study the thing. Who the hell is this guy? That they just listen to him blindly. They go, yeah, okay, you have a point. Like, does he have naked pictures of everybody's wives in this or something? It's like... <laughs> give it, me it a motive. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> give me a motive or something. I need something. Yeah. He's burned. But even then, I need something for the people to keep listening to him. And go, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. We didn't be real. This is the only scenario this will happen. You're absolutely right. I trust him. He'd never do the wrong thing. Uh, he has the burned remains of the thing brought back inside. They all top to the thing, and inside they see the upper half of Henrik's body. And Kate comments that his skin looks almost new. Now, mind you, this is 1982. That means that 1977's, no, 1979's Alien already came out. They know what happens when you bring shit into a ship. They've seen this. It was a very popular movie. They all talk to the thing and they inside they see the upper half of Henrik's body and comment and Kate comments that his skin looks almost new. Kate then pulls out a metal piece and asks what it is. Henrik's colleagues tell her that Henrik had a titanium bar placed in his arm to stabilize a fracture. Kate asks, then why was it outside of his body? Was this in the 82? No, not a single bit. And I'm, that's like a comment I have later is, did none of the guys have filling? Well, you know, maybe the, they all had maybe, dental health. Well, they had good dental health. They had no broken bones. But I'm wondering, like, this is just like one of those stretches of like, maybe it learned to hide the fucking fillings and metal. Right. Or even even so, like, is this just them saying we have to do something different? Something different besides the blood thing. <laughs> right. Which they do anyway. 
They're going to do a blood test anyway. Because they're scientists. <laughs> Later, Kate and Adam look at the cells from the thing under a microscope. Not only are the cells still alive, but they are overtaking Kendrick's cells and then replicating them. This is important because Adam is watching this and he's about to completely back away from his idea in this next scene. Time to shoot Adam. The next morning, as Carter and Jameson prepare the helicopter, Kate is in the bathroom. She sees something bloody on the floor and picks them up with a napkin. Four bloody silver dental fillings. She then looks in the shower and sees a lot of blood, but no body. Olav and another Norwegian, Griggs, get into the helicopter with Carter and Jameson, and the four take off. Kate runs outside to stop them. Carter sees her flagging them down and decides to land. Olav asks if anything is wrong as he looks terrible. Griggs assures him everything is okay. And then Griggs' face splits in half and his chest opens to reveal tentacles and rib-like teeth. Griggs has been replicated and he attacks Olav. Kate and Sander watch as the helicopter goes out of control and crashes behind the mountain, apparently killing all four of them. Sander asks her why she tried to stop them. (laughs) Like, dude, do you want them here or do you not do you want it's there are no rational there's, there's choices no in this. rational choice there's no logic yes nothing like his his character doesn't even stay consistent you know what he is he's what would happen it's if, like oh it might be on there it, oh well, why did you let it go then like if he had a motive you could make him the paul riser character from aliens 100 percent like, we're just going to get this back to the mainland and take it to the military. Yeah. Now they can mess with it. Uh, when that guy's face splits in half, it was really gnarly in 2011. But today, it's like blade level bad. Yeah. Uh, I just, it just didn't age well. But I really like the deception. Okay. I really like the deception that they did. Gotcha. Because uh, it, it fooled me because obviously Olav is asking like, what's wrong he's being like he looks like he's paranoid he's looks like he's like he's about to escape and then something's going wrong right and like it builds up like oh here it comes here it comes and then it's totally not him <laughs> fooled you yeah <laughs> but one note that's not how helicopters crash no it's not <laughs> it just it just starts it just spins for about 500 yards in one direction yes I don't know. We just, it's Steve and I just recorded Black Widow and the scene where the helicopter crashes and that where it just drops out of the air and falls. That's more believable than- I love that scene. I'm just gonna spin away. We're running out of gas. <laughs> uh, okay, so you got all these scientists and they haven't heard of quarantining, sterile environments or the scientific method. These are the worst scientists in the world. It's pretty bad. Yes. Um, Back inside, the team is all together, and Kate explains she found silver fillings in the bathroom. She tells them about the cells replicating and that her theory is that the thing is able to replicate any organism perfectly. However, it cannot replicate inorganic material such as metal teeth fillings in the metal plate from Henrik rejecting them, which is weird because if it can mimic all of that, it can mimic color, which why not discolor Blurry. someone's teeth? Yeah. Get a Norwegian to write a, gotcha. an American movie. Okay, there you go. Gotcha. No, no one wants to believe her, and they decide to have a few of the team take a snowcat to go out to help the, at the nearby Russian camp. Juliet stays behind with Kate and tells her that she saw Colin, another team member, with a rag coming from the bathroom. Kate tells her that they need to stop the team from leaving, and Juliet says she knows where the keys are to the snowcats. Why does nobody believe her? Even Adam. Dude, you were right there looking in the fucking microscope. Dude, it's because... 
of her genitalia. Because it's a woman. Misogyny. They, but they, even that, if that was the case, why would they? Why wouldn't they? Why, why did they recruit a female excavator then? <laughs> for her, <laughs> there was no logic. Yeah, because you're definitely not hiring her for a professional opinion and her professional skills. Come on! <laughs> and then number two, Juliet is French, correct? Yes. What the f is she doing there? Where's then? the f <laughs> and, like I could understand if like she was a specialist and she spoke French, not English, and yeah. then she could speak a little bit of Norwegian or one of the Norwegians spoke French and there was a language barrier and they couldn't f understand each other, but she's just there. Gosh, you're an upbeat lady. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, this is why I like the first movie is because you never, like, do you ever really hear assimilated humans or replicated humans speak more than a little bit? I don't think so. Not make up stories, make up lies and deceive. Yeah, I don't think it does. I don't think it does that. But if it is masking itself as something else and mimicking, then I'm sure that. But I don't I got to go back and watch now, like to to kind of pitch in. Where was the thing in the first movie to see what that actor was doing with its lines at that point? Yeah, um, because that kind of, it was like, OK, so you're meaning to tell me it replicates cells. It replicates accents. Yes. It replicates stories. It knows the difference between a rag and a towel. I'm just nitpicking. But. No, but it, it's at this point, the nitpicks have created a mountain in yeah. this movie. And we're halfway through the movie already. We're right? halfway. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. The thing. <laughs> what is that from? The Usual Suspects. Yeah. Okay, they go into a room, and as Kate searches in a drawer for the keys, she hears a slimy noise from behind it. It is Juliet splitting in half. The Juliet thing tries to attack her, but Kate runs out of the room, down the hall, and passes another Norwegian. <laughs> as soon as I was like, down the hall, down out the, the door, and <laughs> through the window. And passes another Norwegian and tells him to run. He doesn't, and the Juliet thing stabs him with a tentacle. Oh, Lark, or whatever. Heinrich, Lark. Whatever. Yeah, nor <laughs> he doesn't. Okay, Kate shuts the door to the hallway, and Adam and Lars arrive. Lars has a flamethrower pack. They open the door on Juliet, absorbing the man she attacked. Lars blasts Juliet thing and the other Norwegian with fire. Okay, Juliet thing is kind of gross. Yeah, it's super gross. Lars I no liked how it lured her in because La yep. kill the smart one. <laughs> Lars knows Even though nobody's going to listen to you. Right. So you're like, then why get rid of her because nobody's going to live. She was on with right ideas. Yeah, but yeah. nobody's going to listen to her. Uh, Lars knows two things, dogs and fire. Yeah. Why do they have a flamethrower on a science base? I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe to defrost things outside, maybe. Do you need a flamethrower? <laughs> it's 82. I don't know. I don't know if I like seeing the thing. I don't know if I like. I like it better when you only see bits and pieces. It makes it scarier. Yeah. No, it's this is, I, I really wonder if this was, well, I don't know, because it was the script was written, like, these things happened. But, yeah, it just doesn't, It's this isn't a thing movie. It's it's action it's an action horror. This is like the thing. This is like Alien and then Aliens. Yes. Like Alien is a horror movie at its finest. Very much Aliens so. Aliens is an action, action movie. movie. 
at its finest. Yes. This, let me preface, the thing is a horror <laughs> at its finest. This, the thing, is an action something. So, this all seems horrible. <laughs> it does. Yeah. This is, you cannot compare the thing and the thing to Alien and Aliens. You just can't. They tried to do it. They tried. Yeah. But maybe that's why James Cameron, like four years later uh, from 82, <laughs> says, I think I can do a proper sequel. And then 2011's thing went, <laughs> you didn't do that right. We'll do it right. We'll do it really right. <laughs> <laughs> the team gathers around and, oh, is there anything else you want to say? Okay. So another thing I... Another thing I have about this thing, yeah, this thing, not the '82 thing, but the 2011 thing thing, <laughs> is it goes too far in the action horror. Yes, like if you want to pay homage to the original. Well, sorry, no, that's this, it. No, this is because the original is the thing from another world. Yes. So then Carpenter remade. retold and remade the thing. Yes. And so this director wanted to re- <laughs> remake but prequelize this, the thing. He prequeled an alternate universe. Yes. <laughs> so 2011 thing is far, like too much action horror. Yes. And in, relies on that instead of what made the thing, the thing and that was atmosphere paranoia. Uh, like halfway through, you've already seen three major things. Yes. No, it, there's no buildup. It's just bam in your face, bam in your face, bam. It's, it's a barrage. Yeah. And you, you get used to it and you're like, all right, well, it's not really scary anymore. No, no. It, it ceases to be something we were scary and just more like, okay, I, I'm waiting for like that music from aliens, clink, clink, that clinking sound and all that stuff. Like that's where it's at in this movie at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, the team gathers around and Kate tells them the thing is like a virus. Apparently anyone who gets blood or part of the thing's cells in- onto them is assimilated. She asks Adam what they should do about viruses. Adam says quarantine and that they isolate it and then destroy it. They decide to do a blood test. Oh shit, we're in the first movie again. <laughs> to determine who may be infected. Adam and Sander work in the lab while Lars and Kate disable all the snowcats. Lars shows Kate a stash of grenades. What the hell is this base? As they head back, they see part of the camp on fire and it is the lab. They then see two people approaching from the distance. It's Jameson and Carter. Everyone thinks they must be thing replicas because they couldn't have just walked away from the helicopter class crash. They lock them both up. Because when you are on a base like that and a helicopter crashes over a hill, you don't go and And make sure they're okay. Right. You just go, oh, that's over. Yeah, we don't really know if the thing was on it or not. Uh, was the rule about the blood deal part of the original? Like where if it just gets on you? Um, I don't, I believe, I don't remember. Uh, I believe any little bit that gets on you would assimilate you okay. slowly. But, you know, it was the whole blood and the fire thing. Right, okay. It didn't do in this. No. Which I, oh, the to the, the 82 version <laughs> still just like, oh. Well, we finally get quarantining as an option. It's nice to know that somebody's after, thinking. Yeah, well, after Adam says to do it. Right, right. Uh, they should have lit both of these dudes on fire. It would have been 100%. added something different. It would have added something different to the story. Yeah, it'd be like, that's paranoia right there. Right. F*** you, fire. 
Yeah. And I said, don't replicate scenes from the original. This is the big script of comedy sequels when they do that. We've already seen this. We know how it's going to end up. Uh, the team starts to accuse one another and Kate says she knows another test. She gets a flashlight and tells Lars to open his mouth. We see that he has fillings in his teeth. She explains to the team that the thing replicas would not have fillings. Everyone is eliminated as a suspect except for Sander, Edward, Colin, and Adam who do not have any fillings in their teeth. So I'm going to be punished for flossing? <laughs> These four are held at gunpoint while Kate tells Lars to go get Jameson and Carter. Lars and another Norwegian, Jonas, go to the building holding Jameson and Carter, but they aren't there. They have escaped through a hole in the floor. Lars goes to search after them and runs into a building and is suddenly pulled inside. Jonas runs back to the others to tell them that Carter and Jameson have killed Lars. Go. Lars was the thing, correct? Yes. And he was, was he the one that said, I'm going to be punished for flossing? No, that, oh, yes. How the f*** no, is no, it? Okay. No, he, what, no, Adam's the one that says that. Adam okay. got all the comedic lines. Okay, I yeah. was about to. The thing knows about flossing. Yeah, Adam. Adam said it. Okay, you're safe now. You're safe for now. The 2011 thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do, what? Here's the thing. This is what they should have done instead. Do the blood test first. Because the that's blood test. A, that's the first logical thing. Is metal. Okay, can't do metal. Fillings. Check for fillings. Right. I have fillings. I'm safe. Right. And then the thing would go. Oh shit. I need to color some teeth. Also, what is Kate's job? Nobody knows. It seems like she's like everybody. She can do everything. She's a, she, she a does paleo- blood work. She was excavating. She, I mean, was she a paleontologist? Yeah. So, what does she know about any of this blood work shit? Oh, well. Here's the thing. Good I like. question. Here's why I like this scene. I like this scene because it's something different. Something different. And it doesn't eliminate all the suspects for one. It eliminates yeah. some of them. Uh-huh. That's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now she's in charge. Somebody says, I feel like this movie has a premise. It could have leaned into, but they left the details this on the floor. Is, this is the true thing. The thing is all inside of us. Oh, it's oh. all about just misogyny. It, that's what it is. It's the beast inside. It's the beast inside. Yes. It just mimics us. Mm-hmm. You don't know who has it until it's over. (laughs) Carter and Jameson, who is armed with a flamethrower, come into the building and they have a standoff with Peter. The rest of the team hide behind Peter. Edward yells at Peter to kill Carter and Jameson. Just before Peter blasts them with his flamethrower, Jameson shoots Peter in the head with a gun, but also hits the flamethrower tank and gas pours out. The gas reaches the flame on the end of the flamethrower and explodes. NQ Grinch explosion scene. Edward is thrown down severely wounded by the blast. Carter and Jameson suddenly gain the upper hand as they have all the weapons. They get everyone to go into the rec room and two of the Norwegians carry Edward. I had nothing to say about this because at this point I was checked out. At this point, this is just a background movie. It kind of feels like it at this point. Like Like, I'm just like, like so many things are happening, happening. It's like action. So uninterested. Yeah. You're like, it's such a weird feeling of like, Things are happening, but I'm very bored. I'm not seeing anything new here. Uh, Once in the room, Edward's arms suddenly detach from his body. Oh, that's something new. And transform into small crab-like creatures, one of which attacks Jonas and attaches to his face. Oh, shit, it's not new. The The Edward thing then grows a tentacle, which stabs and severely wounds Adam, then fatally wounds Jameson. Kate and Carter try to get the flamethrower working, but are unable to do so due to trapped air in the main fuel line. The Edward thing sprouts a new set of arms and legs and crawls over to Adam and then starts to meld with him, causing their faces to attach. 
Kate tries to blast the Edward Adam thing with the flamethrower, but it escapes outside and falls down in the snow. She returns to the rec room and finds Jonas being assimilated by the arm thing and kills them both with the flamethrower. Carter sits with Jameson until Jameson dies. Carter moves aside so Kate can blast the dead Jameson with the flamethrower. Among all this chaos, Colin flees into the compound. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Adam. Yes. <laughs> You fucking let that thing on top of you. He didn't move. You didn't fight even a bit. <laughs> you didn't scurry back. You stayed in the same place. And you didn't, like, number one, the first thing is get out of there. You know, maybe you're frozen in fear. Sure. Right. But then it's on top of you. It's not really holding you down. And then it's putting its face next to you. I don't even like people's faces near me. <laughs> I would be squirming away, doing anything to get that face away from me, but you just let it happen and go, get off of me! Kate and Carter hunt for the thing. Meanwhile, Sanders is hiding behind a desk, but the thing, which has now fully absorbed Adam into itself, finds him and attacks him. Carter and Kate split up, and the thing follows Carter into the kitchen. Just before it attacks Carter, Kate blasts it with a flamethrower, forcing it to burst through a wall and fall to the snow outside, burning. They see the Sander thing escape in a snowcat. Carter tells Kate to let him go, that he'll freeze, and he has nowhere to go. Kate says that he, is, he does have somewhere to go. He can try to reach other people to assimilate. Who else is in Antarctica? <laughs> the American base. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Kate and Carter get into this other snowcat and follow Sander to the spaceship. As they get out, Kate focuses on the earring in Carter's left ear. Carter also tells her that they didn't kill Lars. They walk towards an open hatch in the ship, but the ship activates and Kate falls through a vent into the ship and you are now in sci-fi channels, the thing. Carter enters through the hatch. <laughs> Kate gets to a point in the ship that looks like the energy source. It looks like a bunch of pixels. Behind her is the Sander thing and he chases her into a tunnel. Kate grabs a grenade, because that's there, as the thing pulls her out of the tunnel. She throws the grenade into the thing's mouth, which blows up and destroys it and the ship's energy source. Just sigh. Fi channel. Sigh. <laughs> sigh. Um, number one, who the f thought about grenades when the original, which makes sense, you have dynamite. Exactly. That's a purposeful item to have on one of those sites. Right. Why you got a grenade? Why you got a grenade? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Also, you could have had a flare to light said dynamite. I mean... But you got grenades. They, they, <laughs> in 82, on a science base. And also, with all those explosions, how does the next camp not hear any of and this? <laughs> the ground would be shaking for miles. <laughs> when the ship starts up... Yes, when the ship starts up, you would think that you the Americans would be like, do you guys feel that? <laughs> oh, it must be just another earthquake. All that damn fracking. Kids today, so desensitized by movies and television. <laughs> uh, the, okay, the thing that moves behind her when she's mesmerized by the pixels, that reminded me of the alien attack in Aliens. Yeah, You just see something slowly move slow. behind them. Yes. I was like, okay, I like, I like that. that. Yeah. Yep. That should have been the movie. <laughs> and it doesn't look good. The pixels look awful. Yeah, it's rough. It just doesn't doesn't hold up. No. At all. Back of the snowcat, Carter. This is why you use practical effects. Right, right. 
That's why the 82 one is just superior. We were it, golden. It, and maybe it wasn't that, because 2011 had pretty good practical or pretty good special effects back then. Was the money just not there for this? They only spent well, $39 million see, on that's this. that's the thing. I like, I need to go rewatch heavily CGI movies back in 2011 and see. Yeah. Because there's a list, and I'm going to have to go back and like, oh, well, maybe. Because this was like the same thing with like The Matrix Reloaded, where Ugh. it's just like straight up video game. But that was eight years earlier. Damn. Right. Damn. Um, back of the snowcat, Carter gets in, but Kate suddenly tells him to wait while she puts the flamethrower in the back. She stays outside the cat and tells Carter, you know how I knew you were human back at the camp? Your earring. Now, Carter has no earring now. He reaches up and tugs at his right ear, which has no earring in it. Kate says, it was the other ear. And she dashes him with the flamethrower. As he burns, Carter lets loose an inhuman screeching noise. She gets into the other cat that the Sander thing had used and rides away toward the Russian camp. Okay. Smart thinking, slick move, but... If what if the, the earring, the other if ear? the earring, yeah, what if, like, the, what was your reasoning for testing him instead of just going, let me see your other ear? Right. I mean, it's not like, I, well, uh, like maybe if like the earring was just gone, maybe she tested it, but there was just like, you just had the right side of his face. Yeah. You couldn't see any indication that it wasn't there. I mean, could you, you could probably see the hole that it would go through. Yeah, but that would probably be gone, yeah? Right, because if it's gone, then you know it's the thing. Yeah. So you wouldn't even have to ask. You'd be like, I'm not getting in there. Yeah, like, I, I think it's a slick move. I like how they did it. It's but cinematic. it's one of those things where it's like, you didn't really think that one through. It's a cinematic moment. It wouldn't happen in real life. Yeah. Yeah. In between the end credits, we cut back to a helicopter landing at the camp. A dead frozen Colin sits at the radio. He has slit his own throat and wrists. The Norwegian helicopter pilot yells out if anyone is around and a gun shoots at him. It's Lars, the only one left behind and not infected. Then the Alaskan Malamute leaps out from a broken window and Lars tries to shoot the dog. The dog runs off. Lars yells at the helicopter pilot that it's no dog and to get into the helicopter. Lars and the other Norwegian pilot chase and shoot at the dog from the helicopter, recalling the opening scene from the original 1982 movie. And I like how it Great ends. Great ending. I almost feel like if, if it, they did if this in reverse. This, <laughs> huh? If they'd done this in reverse, they might have been able to actually backwards create this movie. Yeah, like like just like make it a mystery. Right. Work from the work from the end. Work your way back. Yeah, you don't know why, but people are just dying randomly across your camp, and you don't know what it is until getting close to the end when you realize, shit, I just saw a tentacle going to that fucking dog. Yeah. If they didn't do this, my grade probably would have changed. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they needed to do this tie-in. Yeah. But what I. And I'll, I think I talk about this later about the tie-in, which is that the tie-in makes it so that you have to watch this movie when in reality, you don't need this movie at all. At all. At all. <laughs> According to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 33%, 16 fresh, and 32 rotten. The critics on average give this film a 5.1 out of 10. And the consensus says, quote, it serves the bare serviceable minimum for a horror flick, but the <laughs> thing is all boo scares and a slave to the far superior John Carpenter version. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's take a look and see what those critics said about this one from the rotten side and see if they have a point. Sarah Michelle Fetters of Movie Freak says... It reduces things to nothing more than a highlight reel of terror. None of it particularly scary, even if what is being presented is done so with a fair amount of skill. I mean, the jump scares are scary. Yeah. But even then, like, it's only a, that's not all of them. No. 
Tim Roby of the Daily Telegraph in the UK says, it's curious that a movie about a shape-shifting person imitating alien life form should itself feel like a mutant hybrid. Half prequel, half remake. Never sure which end it goes up to. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. And Renee Rodriguez of the Miami Herald says, there is absolutely nothing in this prequel slash remake that improves on the first film or negates it in any way. I think it negates some things. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the audience score is a 3.1 out of 5 with 42% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. So it seems like the audience and the critics both agreed this ain't all that. Yeah. Which is weird because when it says the movie's over, were you entertained? I re- if I was to, if you'd asked me this in 2011, I'd say absolutely. But where I'm at now, having watched the 82 thing over and over again, trying to get inside your head, I don't like this movie. I'm not entertained by this. I Again, I checked out at one point. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I will say I, I was entertained, period. Okay. Um, I have no problem if this movie's in the background. <laughs> if it's playing. If it's playing, like I'll do some like And I can't I'll, find the remote. I'll do some work <laughs> and it'll be on. Right. And I'll pop my head up when things are going on and then mm-hmm. go back down. When you hear Mary's voice, you go, oh, wait, what's that? Oh, there she is. <laughs> Who can it be now? Oh, oh, you have my full attention. Yes, I know who can uh, be now. Okay, Adam. Okay, and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> like it's it's okay. Like it's inner. I don't know. I <laughs> like I'm inter- It's entertaining, but is it though? Because it's a background thing. I don't- then is it entertaining? Because I'm doing things other than watching it. Because it can't really hold my attention. I would say it's not entertaining then. Because entertaining means that you get that fulfillment of being entertained when you watch it. And if you're looking for something else, if you're doing laundry while this is going on, that means that that's your priority over the entertainment value of this. Yeah, then I guess I wasn't entertained. (laughs) Well, it's time. Did the awards get it right? Well... There are none. Zero nominations at the Academy. Zero nominations for the Golden Globes. But at the Saturn Awards, it got two nominations. It was nominated for Best Horror Slash Thriller Film. But this is how bad this movie was. It lost to The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. This was the um, Daniel Craig version, yeah? Yes. Which is phenomenal. But is it a better horror slash thriller film? See, I'd, I'd see what is dark mystery. The other nominations were Contagion, <laughs> Take Shelter, The Devil's Double, The Grey, and The Thing. Wait, what was The Grey? That was the Liam Neeson the wolf, wolf movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was also nominated for Best Makeup, but it lost to X-Men what First Class. Makeup? What makeup did it have? It was, it was all, all CGI. CGI. <laughs> oh, they really look cold there. <laughs> It got no MTV Movie Awards and it won no Razzie, so it wasn't so bad that it got a Razzie. But on to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things that we want to highlight in this movie, and then we think about the three, three things that were bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. And we'll start with the top three. My number three, I like Winstead in this role. She's very much a surrogate for Kurt Russell. You need that person. When Carter's not on the screen, you get Kate. When Kate's not on the screen, you get Carter. Uh, my number two, I like how this is all happens over the course of one evening. It keeps the pace frantic. And my number one, the ideas behind the CGI, the ideas behind the CGI are really grotesque and cool to watch. 
yeah. the, the ideas. Yeah. Sam, what are your top three? I like how fast it moves. It keeps a pace, but this is also a hindrance, which comes up later. Yep. Uh, I like the cast. I really like the blend of Norwegians and Americans. I think they did a great job. I almost wish they just did full send on Norwegians. That would have been really cool. Like, I would have watched a subtitled thing movie. Yes. It, it would have been, been a different story then. Believable. Right. Too. Yeah, so, I agree. Um, and of course, you know, I'm not I'm not just gonna make this number one being Miss Mary <laughs> as it should be. But the things are really gnarly. Um definitely took inspiration from Dead Space. Okay. Which is also one of the greatest horror games of all time. <laughs> Uh, but I, I liked, I liked this new interpretation. But you should have made it a remake if yeah. you were going to go this direction, not a prequel that makes no sense moving into the eighty-two version. I agree. Which leads us to our bottom three. Time to vent. My number three. Boy, that CGI has not aged very well. No, it's rough. It's awful. It's real rough. Uh, my number two. <laughs> the character choices in this. It's so annoying, and it's really an example of bad writing. Just lazy. Like, you don't know human beings enough to make common sense choices in your stories. And my number one, I mean, the director claims he wanted to tell a new story in this world, but where was it? There doesn't feel like there's anything new in this movie. This is almost almost shot for shot. Um, No, exactly. The new things are filling. (laughs) Filling is the metal. found anything yet we ain't found shit <laughs> <laughs> sam what are your bottom three? Oh wait you didn't get number one. Oh yeah i did my number one. Oh, you did yeah oh my bad okay so if this this is my number three yes how dare you treat my wifey like that with such disrespect <laughs> uh no my number three is if this is a thing movie it moves way too fast okay if this is a prequel, it moves way too fast. It's actiony, and you don't see the thing evolving at all. Yeah, it's just an aggressive monster. Um, some things in this movie don't translate to the original <laughs> okay. at all. Right. <laughs> like number one, the alien itself. Yes. We had to create an excuse for why it was aggressive in one movie and secretive in the next. Yes. Uh, I don't get why you went on the spaceship. No. It could have, you could have had the same grenade throw in the middle of the base and then something pierced the doctor. Right. And she dies frozen. Yeah. Uh, By the way, what the fuck happens to her? Yeah. Because the, the camp that they go back to is totally destroyed and burned. Right. So what happens to her? What if they CGI'd her into the 82 thing? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it, it, could, it, hey, it becomes it, an A. <laughs> right, it becomes an A plus right there, baby. Uh, number two, it's, it's just kind of pointless. There's no reason for this movie. Yeah. There really isn't. It does nothing to benefit and... And when I say it negates the original, it's you can't really do that, but it just makes, if you're trying to make a prequel, it's got to make sense for the things to come. And these things don't make sense. Right. So to me, that negates 
the setup of the original. Makes sense. <laughs> so, and number one is back to your writing thing. Yeah. You have a lot of smart people making really, really dumb decisions. Mm-hmm. Like Cabin in the Woods bad decisions. <laughs> where you're like, holy shit, are they doing the dumb spray? Right. Making them all jocks and misogynistic. Like, I, but at least a, there was a reason there in was that a, movie. Yeah, there was a reason. <laughs> um, the the blatant misogyny, like it wasn't even a smart misogyny. No, like I, you can I, be like, oh yeah, you're just a dick. It's just like, there's no reason for that at all. I could get behind that if it's called out at the beginning. Like if Adam comes to see her and says, "We want to hire you. I just want to let you know what you're getting yourself into." This guy's of kind assholes. of a this guy's kind of a dick to women. So just kind of you know. You'll, yeah. have, you'll have to win him over a little bit. One of those there, things, like an 82 just, idea, which is that she's got to do the work to do it as opposed to him just changing all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the leader just makes and says, hor- like, just stupid things. Like, four people die. It's a giant monster with claws that eats them. We really need to preserve it. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> and the, and his, his, his f***ing people are like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, should I be the, sure. should I be the, the cattle for this one? Do you want me to be the bait? Is it okay if I get assimilated and you'll like catch me? Like nothing makes sense. It doesn't. It, it's just poor, lazy writing. And why, I'm, oh why didn't I take the blue pill? Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a movie with the thing. It's that's and that's it in the modern quote unquote modern era. Yeah. Okay. Critics rating. We use an A to F scale here on the movie planet. C is considered average. A is the highest. F is the lowest. If the movie is so bad, it receives F's from all the hosts. It becomes a movie planet global killer, a category movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it is. So the question is, what do you give 2011's the thing in the horror genre by today's standards? And I'm going to start here. Uh, one hour and 43 minutes. This thing is short, fast, but Midway through, you're like, this thing is dragging ass. I remember, uh, I remember watching this, and I think it was after the Juliet thing. I paused it, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, I'm almost to the end. It's almost done. Now, I, I found my original review of the 82 thing. Nice. I'm going to read this because you could literally apply this to this movie also. That's how similar these movies are. Yeah. said, part of the reason why this movie is so good is because of the tone it echoes from Scott's Alien movie. It's hard to replicate that type of suspense in between horrific scenes, but John Carpenter does a great job mimicking it. Direction-wise, I'm hard-pressed to find any chinks in the armor here outside of how some of the shots were cut and the breakneck pace at the beginning. This movie starts almost as abruptly as The Fly, which is more an editing issue. Acting-wise, this movie is pretty good, but when all you have to do is show panic, a range is really not needed. Can't knock it for that because that's what the script called for. So far, this could describe this movie. Which is where I have my problem. This movie is a mix of Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Alien. Both are great stories, and although I feel like this movie does a great job of trying to merge the ideas, I think it's spending more time trying to horrify you and less time trying to tell you a story. For me, I need a balance. I want to be invested in the movie's characters because I know their arcs. I'm hard-pressed to find a character arc that I find appealing, so because that's my only real gripe here, I'm going to go with a solid B. Again, all that can be applied to this movie because they're legit the same movie. This is not a B. This is not a solid B. No. It's a B because you saw it once. But when you have to spend money to go see something a second time, it's the same fucking thing. And they sold you on it. That's a prequel. Here we go. 
Anytime you make a prequel, the first thing that should be asked is why? What was missing from the original to demand a prequel to be made? A sequel to The Thing would have made more sense. You could do something different with it. The biggest issue with this movie is it forces the viewer to either watch it in the order of 2011 and then 1982 or 1982 and then 2011. If you watch this version first, then the 1982 version looks derivative. If you watch the 82 version first, you find 2011 to be derivative. The stories have too many common beats to warrant necessity to the plot. If this movie is a standalone movie and you have never seen 82 as the thing, then it's a solid B. The paranoia is played well and the action scenes are pretty decent. It's not an A because it needs better adversarial characters. Sanders' motivations make no sense and the attempt to do the Norwegian versus American researcher battle is done as a throwaway. However, this movie is a prequel to the thing and in that way, it doesn't offer anything new other than updated special effects and the cheapening of the 82 thing. Overall, I'm giving this movie a D. It's pretty decent, but it pisses on a classic and it makes a case for bigger isn't necessarily better. D for dick diddly Sam <laughs> you I, for, I, I forgot your grade and I'm kind of offended you gave the thing a B <laughs> <laughs> but we're moving on okay so this movie is uh, entertaining for background <laughs> I had to I had to add that to my notes yes it's entertaining for background movie for the most part, it moves pretty fast, though at points, I'm still bored, even with the momentum and action. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's I, there's too many thing sightings. There's not enough paranoia. There's not enough time for the paranoia or fear to set in because it's just constant. It's like the director wanted to do a remake, and then halfway through, it was like... Ah. I'm really not going anywhere for this. We just need to connect this and make it a part of the universe. <laughs> In order for it to be a prequel, it needs to be better than the second. It needs to better the successor. Yeah. But it doesn't. Things don't translate well and doesn't add to the original. This is almost like Alien and then Aliens. One is a horror movie and the one is an action, but at least Aliens are great movies. And they're different. And they're different. This movie just misses the mark on most of its execution. So I give this a D as well. Well done. Because right. I also don't think it deserves to go in the the ironic movie Planet Killer. No, it doesn't go there either. No, it doesn't it, block. I can tune this out it, and be like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, revisiting the list of movies in the Pantheon. Nothing's changing, uh, which is kind of nice. We're not going to see the thing 2011 in there, but 82's theme still is the number three spot. Yeah, boy. Which, you know what? It's in pretty good company there. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Okay, now let's get our critics' hats off. Do you love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above? Well, <clears throat> I like it. I like the idea of it as a companion piece to the thing, but I can't say I find it necessary to enjoying 82's The Thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's fun to come back to the Arctic. Yeah. I think the ideas for the gnarly monsters and the very dead spacey... Like, I'm sorry, you ripped it the f- off you ripped the dead you ripped dead space right the f- off mm-hmm. but let's be real just go watch the fucking 82 version yes like there's no contest like i know that's the blade runner of sci-fi films for me another one is the thing like it doesn't hit me but i know enough to go you need to watch this movie yeah yeah with 2011 like just watch the 82 version no yeah 
that's all we've got time for today, Movie Planet Dares. Now, next show, we'll look at Waterworld. Yeah! For the science fiction, or is it the action-adventure pantheon, Sam? Which one are you nominating this for? I really don't know where this fits. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think the director or writers did either. I mean... I think, I, like, I want to go with the action-adventure. Well, okay, here are the pantheons. For the action-adventure pantheon, all we ha- have there is the Die Hard franchise, King Kong, <laughs> and Point Break. King Kong is in sci-fi and fantasy? No, it's in the action. Oh, it's in action. Yeah, we put it in action. So it could it could land in there, or it could land in the sci-fi pantheon, which has the Matrix, the Jurassic Park movies, and the Back to the Future movies. Okay, good for luck. It's never gonna make the sci-fi. <laughs> like it, it could possibly sneak into the action, but it's never gonna get. Well, here's the thing: the action pantheon ranges from an A minus to a D minus. Oh, so it's you definitely think- getting in there. Okay, action. <laughs> Let's do action. Okay, action pantheon. Because it really, is. it doesn't really go much farther than he's just got wet feet. And- <laughs> you can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast.gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet Podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet Podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They're included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Sam, any last words? 2011, kill it with fire. Go watch the 82 version. Take the blue pill. Thanks for listening. Happy movie watching. Adios.